0: Good afternoon, everybody. Stephen Oshansky here, bringing you along on a Tuesday afternoon. This is the State News Sports Podcast. I'm alongside Casey Harrison for another edition. Now, I mean, we're getting up there. It's probably what? This is uh, show 30-something? 30, 30. Is it 30? 30 or
1: 31. Now, I
0: mean, we've, we've been going at this a long time, and you've heard us talk about a variety of topics, and mostly it was mainly football, but now we're transitioning into basketball, and we'll talk all about MSU's uh, kind of a shocking loss to Ohio State. I don't know about shocking. Would you, would you call it shocking? I mean, maybe. I mean, if you
1: look at the spread, um, Ohio State was actually favored by two. True. Um, I think MSU is the better team. We can talk about that later. Um, but uh, I, I think a lot of things kind of went into that. Ohio State coming in, losing four straight. Um, their head coach, he was on hot water a little bit. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, yeah, I mean it. It was it was a game that Ohio State needed to win, and they they did. Right,
0: and I think it, it might rub some Michigan State fans the wrong way, and we'll get into that. And then we're also going to talk today too about what what was it, Casey? Uh, who are we most obsessed with as Michigan State sports fans, in a sense? And we're not talking Is about it... a player. We're not talking about a coach.
1: We're talking about. A rival school.
0: Casey had some uh, interesting experiences down in Columbus that changed his opinion of uh, sports teams and schools being uh, obsessed with each other. So we'll get to that one, too. But, Casey, I want to lead it off with some basketball. And yeah. get you were there. You saw it all from the floor. Go ahead.
1: Um, I mean, it really wasn't like a debilitating loss. Or debilitating, I'm sorry. Debilitating. It's um, a good word. Yeah. Look it up sometime. <laughs> um. It was really kind of like it wasn't the punch in the mouth that Penn State was. Um, it was a pretty good game, I would think. Miles Bridges looked really good, but there wasn't much other than that. Um, uh, I'll give you a quick rundown. I mean, he he was the only player to for MSU to score in double digits. Um, Josh Langford had eight, I believe, and there was a bunch of other players um, all near ten, but not quite there. Um, Tom Izzo, after the game, was really upset with Nick Ward. Um, one, one of the guys in the press conference kind of asked if he was excited to be back home for his homecoming, if he was a little amped up and he was a little too d- jittery. And Tom Izzo was <laughs> he was kind of frank. He, he kind of waited a minute to, like, culminate. An answer, and he goes, That's never a good thing. I'm, I'm gonna put this as politely as I can. Oh. Did you watch the game? Oh, geez, because Nick Ward was fairly <laughs> non existent. Um, and it's kind of becoming a more and more common place where teams are seeing what he's doing in terms of Nick Ward, and he can't get away with, you know, being able to block screens like he has and be able to be dominant in the post. and. Um, even bypassed the double team. And so teams are putting a lot more attention on Nick Ward, and it's showing. I mean, he's not scoring as much as he did. Um, even he's taken a little bit step back too um, because he was pretty much the, the the lifeblood of the MSU offense when Miles Bridges was gone. But now that he's back, he, his role isn't as prominent in terms of scoring. Um, but there was another, I mean, Another thing is Ohio State just really kind of killed him from three. Um, talking about Jaquan Lyle, um, he was like 5 of 7, and he he kind of carried Ohio State there. But like I said, that was a game Ohio State needed to win. There was a little bit of talks about potentially even hiring or firing um, Thad Maddow, which I think is kind of erroneous, um, breaking out the big boy words right there. But Ooh. I don't understand how you think you can fire a coach who won you three consecutive Big Ten championships, um, I, I mean, he's really good. And to, to not have any kind of Sometimes some equity, of these coaches
0: run their courses, though.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, you're talking about one year. Mm-hmm. And, and, I mean, to expect him to, you know, I, every team has a bad start. Look at Mark D'Antonio. I mean, mm-hmm. he's entitled to a three and nine year every every ten years. How long has that might have been at Ohio State? Um, he's been there for 13 13, huh? yeah. yeah, so, I mean, they're, they're a pretty good program under him. Um, there's a lot of things that I saw there, too. Uh, Value City Arena um, at the Scottenstein Center, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a mouthful. Yeah, but uh, that's the, kind of the first time I've ever realized a college venue being sponsored by a corporate company. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, and when you walk into it, it almost has a professional feel to it. It felt like a professional venue. I mean, I'm talking about, like, the Palace of Auburn Hills, um, anything like that. I mean, it was a very big, very spaced-out arena. And I looked at the total attendance, it was 18,000, and I think they filled maybe three-quarters of that. I mean, you you, you looked on TV and... uh, Oh, yeah, it looks different.
0: Like, if you watch a game on the Breslin, it looks... On TV, when it's at the Breslin, it looks... You can tell it's small; that it looks like a college arena, and yeah. then when you when you're watching the game, Ohio State, you look like you're watching an NBA game in terms of just how spacious it looks.
1: And it's a very nice venue; it's very well put together, except for the media accommodations. Like I, I'm not trying to be like, uh, oh. like, like a priss about it. <laughs> right. I'm not trying to be like really picky, but it was it was very different from everything that I've been accustomed to. The media room itself. Is very, very small. It's almost like a, like a storage room. Like this room we're in currently? Kind of a little <laughs> bit bigger. Like imagine a little bubble here taken out. Okay. And then they have a little TV in the, at the end, hmm. and they kind of forgot about the food. Oh, Like no. I'm not even joking. Like um, Hondo, he was like, where's the food at? It's a half an hour before tip-off. Oh, no. And we, we went out to the floor because there was only 15 minutes left, right. and they were like, yeah, they just... Like, the, the company that caters to them just kind of didn't. <laughs> and so they kind of had to pull something right right out of their bums. And they they found, like, pulled pork and grits right before tip-off and, like, yeah. Texas toast. yeah. And so that's what they gave. Oh, but okay. <laughs> I was looking at John and I was looking at um, Connor, and we were both just thinking, like, we're starving. Like, we, we made the four-hour drive at 7 in the morning, didn't stop at all on the way down there. <laughs> Uh, we were we were pretty hungry. Right. Um, but even the bathrooms, like the bathroom, it smelled like a giant urinal. Yeah, it like, doesn't surprise me. And it was very well, like it was very dimly lit, <laughs> kind of dingy. Right. And like the, the walk, the path that they gave you through um, the, from the media room to the press conference room, because mm-hmm. um, the press conference area is right next to the visitor locker room, mm-hmm. um, and it's right next to like the, the garage where they keep the, the visiting bus. Mm. Um And so you had to go through, like, a storage tunnel. And, like, you had all of their excess, like, bleachers and all of their extra seats and all the extra tables (laughs) next to you. And it almost looked like a dungeon. I was kind of joking around with Connor saying that's what it looked like. Um, So behind the scenes, it's not as glamorous as it appears to be. But I I really like the feel of it walking into it and even, like, looking up at it. Because from the outside, it's a very miraculous-looking building. Hmm. Um, and even the the campus of Ohio State, I don't know if you've ever been down there, mm-hmm. but, I, I mean, it's it's a very well-spaced-out yeah. campus. Yeah, oh, it's very large. Um, and on the inside, it it looks really nice. Um, I, I think lighting kind of might be a thing for, like, indoor places in general. I don't really like the lighting of, like, when you go to the Joe or you go to the Palace uh-huh. or even the Breslin. Like, like the, the Breslin is well-lit for... Other venues that I've been in, hmm. but it you still get that like fake fluorescent type of I, feel all throughout. I was throughout.
0: telling you guys at, at practice the other day was that I thought um, they should play games where it's not always lit up. Yeah, the practice lighting where it's kind of dim mm-hmm. it'd probably look better. <laughs> I thought yeah it'd probably have a nicer aesthetic, but you know let's get let's kind of get back to that. Yeah, game. back we to the about, game. You um, talked about Nick Ward just kind of being. Non existent finish with what nine points he had three turnovers and I, I remember there's a couple of plays when I was watching on TV where he'd force some shots the ball yeah. they throw it into him at the post or he'd he was look like three or seven out. I think he yeah he looked at yeah he was he'd look he was three or seven he'd look to kick out and then you know find nobody and in the middle of a double team he was you know not going he up, up very strong lost. there are times and when I've watched him in other games he'd go up he'd go up strong and you know put one in off the glass and this time it looked you know, guy, he's got guys in his face, and he looks like – he looked like a freshman, where yeah. he's trying, he tried to force something, and maybe that shot falls with a, a guy who's maybe – I I wouldn't say taller than him because he's already 6'8", but, you know, Deontay Davis, Whoa. who's nearly 7 foot, would probably be able to hit that one down. But you look at it, he was like – you know, I'm looking at him, and he's just forced – I don't know, is it the – jitters of playing at home is it that other teams have caught up to him and i think it's i think it's more that other teams have caught on to what he's
1: doing like yeah you said i earlier. think that's a big part of what, what it is but two things with that i mean he was matched up with trevor thompson on ohio state right. and he's a seven footer yeah he's and he's he was tall. kind of forced to play center and center is something that michigan state doesn't really do right all that often. I mean, Ohio State, or I'm sorry, Michigan State, Tom Izzo, he recruits smaller guys in terms of, like, what right. you call your big men. Yeah, for Because, I mean, you look at Gavin Schilling, he's like 6'8", 6'9". Mm-hmm. Nick Ward is 6'8". Um, everybody, I mean, Izzo doesn't really have a history of getting seven-footers right. on the team. And to to kind of right. have that, I mean. That was, a, that was the kind of game that I think a, they needed Deontay Davis in. It was a clear size difference. Everybody throughout the floor, except for Miles Bridges, right. and that's why he was able to do, I think, as well as he did. Um, he was called for six turnovers, though, and yeah. but that was a thing that Tom is a really kind of contested. Um, hmm. He was very vocal in saying that he thought the charge that Bridges had late in the second half hmm. um, shouldn't have been a charge. That he kind of that the um, that the Ohio State guard he totally like didn't give way at all. Mm-hmm. Um and that two of the travels that were called on bridges also yeah. shouldn't the have been one, called. The one late in the game was very it it's, was very
0: if it was a very iffy call you it know, kinda like spun out of it, but he would never it it did not look like a typical travel to me. Like, I think he just kinda it's kinda spun out what you're allowed to do. He just kinda I, pivoted.
1: I think it's college reps are pretty eager to call for travels in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's different because isn't in the NBA it's three steps for a travel? I think it's still two. Okay. I, I thought for I mean, some it's very reason...
0: it's very lax in the NBA, though. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, because all they want is just high points. It's, it's kind of like they probably points. how
0: the NHL, you know, like get rid of some rules so that it flows easier. I think the NBA just, like, I mean, the NBA, you and I, just, we can discuss that, is about the showmanship a little bit. And so why would, they, if, you know, LeBron takes four steps and slams down a dunk on a, you know, breakaway, you know, I don't think any refs gonna going to call that so they don't upset the uh, entertainment value of the uh, game. But, you know, if like they take four steps and when he's not on a breakaway and dunks, they'll probably call him for that. But usually the NBA is pretty lax. But I can see where you're going with that with college, though.
1: Yeah, and I, this whole freshman group, I think Langford's really turned it on as of lately. I've really liked what he's been able to do. Um, he obviously didn't have the game that... I think anybody would thought he would have had at Ohio State, and coincidentally, it was his birthday yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's—I've I really liked the the strides that he's made lately. Miles Bridges speaks for himself, right? Um, with Twenty-four points, and nobody, none of the, nobody else had double-digit
0: points. No, and and, and that's they, the thing. Ohio State, all five of their starters were in double-digit double scoring. Um, and, that was the that was the one point I wanted to bring up was if you looked at Michigan State's bench, they had one, two, three, four, five, six people play off the bench. Ohio State only
1: had. And that's kind of the thing that Ohio or that Michigan State. I don't know why I keep saying Ohio State. Forty and Slippy wish you went there. Oh, no, I don't boy. think that's it at all. But <laughs> that's the thing that Izzo has really kind of been doing this year. Um, he he's been really kind of relying off the bench. It's almost been like a like a shift change. Do you, do you think maybe he's
0: relying too much on the bench? Because I look at Cash's Winston didn't start, had eleven minutes off the bench, at one point.
1: Well, I, I I think the biggest thing is just the whole team. Like I don't think he. He knows that his freshmen aren't ready to start all at the same time on the floor, and I, I think when he gets those shifts out on the floor, mm-hmm. it, it's able to jumpstart the offense a little bit more because guys like Alvin Ellis, guys like Matt McQuaid, they're not able to go out and give you twenty-five minutes a game right. and mm-hmm. put up put up big numbers. McQuaid had twenty-two minutes against Ohio State, at five points. So yeah, it was.
0: It, two it, of four and one of three from three.
1: And he's been, isel has been saying all season long that production from the upperclassmen is something that he's been looking for. Right. And Matt McQuaid hasn't given him the numbers that he's been wanting. Alvin Ellis has probably been the, the front runner.
0: runner. He's been here and there. He had seven points last. Yeah. You know, against and Ohio State.
1: He had that one twenty point game against Minnesota back on the road right. over break. And that was really like his, the, the biggest game he's had, I think, this season and his career. Um, and then uh, another guy is Aaron Harris. Aaron Harris, I don't want to, like, dog him, but he, he almost picks and chooses when he wants to come come and perform. Six points, three for five, and
0: what, oh of one from three in 13 minutes yeah. against Ohio State, and that's the least amount of a
1: starter. I mean, more bench guys had him than. And <laughs> I, I don't want to use the term regress because, I mean, it, when you look at Nick Ward and you look at Cassius Winston, they've taken steps back almost because I think other teams have figured out how to guard them. right?
0: And it was, yeah, I think Cassius Winston, I mean, obviously the way he distributes the ball is, is <laughs> something spectacular, and I think, you know, as he matures, I mean, when you look at Cassius Winston, I think I weigh more than he does.
1: Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> he's a very kind of – I don't want to use scrappy because he is – He like, if you look at him, he's built big. But he's very – like, in terms when you look at other guys, mm-hmm. he doesn't stack up to them. No. And that, that was the big thing. I mean, they, their point guard was 6'5". Right. And – Tum tum, he's five eleven. Cassius, he's six foot. Yeah. And when you have that big of a size difference, I mean, did you see some of the shots that were blocked? Yeah. <laughs> by Ohio State, I mean there was that one <laughs> I forgot. I think it was kind of midway through the second half where I think Alvin Ellis was going to try and lay one up, and it just got swatted. Yeah. And and, and I think you look at what might be MMSU's downfall as it continues
0: throughout the years, is how they you know how they they still haven't figured out that I don't think their rotation yet, and when you have Three guys get over 20 minutes off the bench and get you a combined what five 12 points, combined 12 points with three guys off the bench at 20 or something minutes. Um, you're not gonna. I mean that that's that's 60 that's over 60 minutes total and you only got five points out of it. That's, yeah. a, that's very low production value. That when you go into tournament time or you know just deeper into the season, it's not going to bode well for you. One of those guys that you, you kind of have been up and down has been Kenny Goins. And I've kind of on him before, too, is that there are times where he hoists up a shot and it's ugly or that he he, he doesn't take it up and, and dunk when he has the chance to. With a big body like his, granted, he's not a, a cinder block of a man, but w- he's taller than a lot of these guys, and he goes he doesn't go up very often. I don't know why he, d- he doesn't draw a follow, and if that's just, you know, maybe that's something deeper in, in him that he has to figure out. But when you're playing 21 minutes like he did and you get no points – yeah. You kind of wonder about it. I don't even know what it is. He had, what, three defensive rebounds?
1: I mean, the thing with Kenny Goins is that last year they put him more at a four spot. He was blocking their four guy. And the reason why everybody liked him so much is because he was being productive hmm. offensively. Right. And this year, I mean, you, you have Miles as your four pretty much, right. um, leaving Ward and Goins to split time at five because you don't have right. um, Gavin and you don't have Ben Carter. And. I mean, I, I, Kenny Goins is too small to play five. Hmm. And Dwayne C- Stevens said it at his last practice. Um, he's probably 30, 40 pounds lighter and I mean, I two or say. three inches smaller than nearly every guy that he's been pinned up against. Hmm. And so it, it really is kind of a bad position for him. Um, I, I mean, I think he's done a pretty good job. He didn't do a good job against Ohio State. I mean, really nobody did that good of a job against Ohio State. Um but yeah, I I think it's something that is just gonna come after Miles leaves. He's gonna get probably more time back at the four. And then next year when you look at um Jaron Jackson and Xavier Tillman, those are two big power forwards. And you're gonna get some depth back at that spot because I, I like the way this team is gonna look in the future. Um I, I don't think this year is gonna be their year. And right now, I don't know if this team is capable of winning on the road. Hmm. I they had the big win against Minnesota um but going out to the palestra and just getting spanked by Penn State and winning a game against Ohio State would have been big i think maybe it could have gotten them ranked um but that wasn't the case um we'll hear tomorrow or actually today when you're listening that um it, a decision on Gavin Schilling mm-hmm. um but this team doesn't have any size and I, they barely have depth i mean Without Miles, when he was down with the injury, I mean, you were relying on guys like MVD and um, Kyle Ahrens. So this team, I don't know. I just don't see a a core of guys that you can make a run at a Big Ten title for or a run in the NCAAs. I mean, do you? No, not at all. And I think maybe they're
0: probably one or two years away from going. I think if if you keep... Ward and the way his season is going you know ever since that hot start that he'll probably be back for another year I can see unless Bridges from here on out starts averaging 30 points a game and just ridiculous numbers and they start winning a lot of these just because of him I, I think he's back for another year and you know I think they're a step or two you know in, in a year or two away from actually making a big run in the tournament and maybe next year they could possibly win a big 10 time I think they pushed and finished maybe you know, top four, um, I see them finishing, you know, at
1: the highest this guy, about five in the conference. Highest and highest. I could see four, but I, I expect somewhere in, like, the, the five. Yeah. yeah, the lowest, I, I I don't
0: know. But, yeah, I look at it, I still think they're a year or two away. And so when we come back, we'll talk about something interesting Casey saw um, at the that uh, beautiful value city arena and um, talking about maybe obsession with other schools and uh, how they go about their business. And we'll talk about is Michigan State obsessed with Michigan? Is Michigan obsessed with Michigan State? I think you all know the answer already when we come back. (music)
1: Welcome back, everybody, on a Tuesday afternoon coming at you. Casey Harrison along for the ride on the State News Sports Podcast. Uh, Steven, I've got a story I would like to share with you. Um, When I was at Ohio State, and uh, let me backtrack for a moment. Have you ever been told by a a member of the University of Michigan, either student base or alumni base, that you and or the University of of Michigan State University, um, the Michigan State University has. Are they obsessed with Michigan? Uh, I have not been
0: personally told that I have been obsessed with Michigan. Uh, I do. I have been told that MSU fans are obsessed
1: with Michigan. Yes. See, but it goes both ways. I think there's a clear rivalry there, and obviously it is. But to call it an obsession is, after what I saw in Columbus. I don't I don't think that you can really define it as an obsession. So when I went to Columbus, um they obviously hate the University of Michigan. Really? Um they don't they they cross Some out all breaking the M's there. Um and what what I saw there is there were M's just blocked out everywhere. Like everywhere you looked off campus in the in the student housing district, um every everywhere there were Block M's with a little red cross through them. And even at the game against Michigan State, has nothing to do with the University of Michigan. On the Jumbotron, every time a player went to go make a free throw, they would display a big Block M on the Jumbotron, which prompted the entire crowd to just g- erupt in a boo. And they did that to throw off like the other, the other team shooting the free throw. And they did another thing. And that was whenever there was a commercial break, whenever there was a timeout on the floor, they would have a little promotion where they would have a fan down on the floor. And you know the old game show, um, Press Your Luck, right? Mm-hmm. It was one of my favorite growing up. I liked the little animated whammies. Um, and that's one where like, no money, no money, stop. And then if it landed on a whammy, you, you lost. Mm-hmm. Um, so they did a little version of that, and they would have a guy down on the floor and he would press a little buzzer, and if he landed on a Block M, he was out. I mean, it's it's just the small things like that where you have to mention that school, that school up north that you have to bring it into your everyday life when you don't have to. I mm-hmm. mean, that I, up here, I, I don't see us doing it to this scale that Ohio State does, and... I mean, you're the one who has your clear-cut opinions on what a rivalry is, what isn't, what constitutes an obsession, what doesn't. So I kind of want your take let, on this. Let me
0: um, put it to you this way. Michigan fans and Michigan State fans have an obsession with each other. Michigan fans and Ohio State fans have an addiction with each other. Now, you know, people with addictions, right, they have Alcoholics Anonymous and things like of that nature. Um, I don't know if any sort of addiction therapy would ever help these people <laughs> in Ohio or in Ann Arbor because I mean they that is about a way of life that rivalry that's how I've been told, and whereas Michigan and Michigan state they say is a state of mind, whereas like I like I just said with Ohio State, Michigan, it's kind of about a way of life that you know when you hear people oh, I hate Ohio's the worst state ever I mean. Do you
1: really hear Michigan State fans say that very often? Not really. I mean, Ohio just isn't that pleasant of a geographical area. I mean, I mean but like, there really I, isn't I, much going on for it other than, like, the, the Lake Erie area. Right. And you, I, I I like Cincinnati. Cincinnati's also a very nice place. Cincinnati,
0: Columbus, Cleveland's very nice. Cleveland's nice. I mean, I, nice. having spent time there for the conventions. and
1: um, Sandusky, you know, going down to Cedar Point. Um <laughs> right, Steven I got mean, a little yeah. rattled right
0: there. Uh, think, it, like there, there are good things about Ohio, and you know, I, I don't hate Ohio like other people do. I've never seen the problem with Ohio, in in a sense, but there is an addiction with Michigan from Ohio State fans that is borderline unhealthy like most addictions are like smoking um, <laughs> shout out Cam Macko. <laughs> oh no <laughs> anyway like we're drugs and, and that Michigan is a drug to Ohio State and they have to they can't get enough of it they have to bash them at every turn they have to think of them daily. like they, they're game shows that had nothing to do with Michigan like, or it had nothing the game had nothing to do with Michigan but they bring it into the, the concourse anyway I mean think about it. there's but Michigan fans their obsession with Ohio State is even I, I don't even know I think maybe Ohio State fans might be more addicted to Michigan than Michigan think, fans are with Ohio State i I mean, but Michigan I, fans are arrogant enough to just live in their own world in a sense as well. but the, when it comes to Michigan and Michigan State, there's a very mutual obsession with that. I mean just go look at. You read an article on a Michigan State recruit, and one of the top comments is going to be from some guy comparing Harbaugh's recruiting numbers to D'Antonio's over the years. This is about Michigan State's recruiting. It's nothing about Michigan. This article doesn't mention Michigan at all, and they're going to comment on that. But like, I remember there were times where they, they'd comment go blue on a story about, like, an MSU injury or something. <laughs> like, it's an MSU story it has nothing to do with Michigan, and they'll comment, but the Michigan State fans do the same thing, where they'd be like, oh, you know, you got slapped around all those years. Jim isn't going to do anything. But, they're like, they're, just start, they're trying to start something, and that's part of a rivalry, and it's the stupid part of the rivalry. There's an obsession with each other, I think, that comes out of both schools because, you know, Michigan – It has this complex of has a superiority complex, and Michigan State fans get accused of having an inferiority complex. Michigan has to be the best at all times, but Michigan State happens to dig its, you know. They always have to be the underdog. Has the yeah, and they dig. Michigan State digs into Michigan on its plans a lot, and over the recent what since I don't know, uh, probably since the two thousands, Michigan State's starting to catch up to Michigan in terms of. you know, in terms of academic programs, we Michigan State starting to have some of the better ones in the country that Michigan's never been able to have, and so you you kind of look at that, and um, you know that rubs Michigan people the wrong way because how could they ever not be number one, right? But Michigan State, you know, but Michigan State always compare, but you know who Michigan State always compares themselves to? It's Michigan. It, everything we do here is oh, how do we how do we beat Michigan at this? How do we how are we better at Michigan? Or there's always a joke that like. You know people's iPhone screensavers are like it's ten twenty and Michigan still sucks or something like that. Like that's just like an unhealthy um, obsession, I think, with Michigan State, where it's not an addiction, where it's not an everyday life, where you know I'm thinking about Michigan all the time. But I'm pretty sure an Ohio State fan is always thinking about Michigan.
1: When you put it like that, I mean it's a really complex thing to talk about because, I Michigan, really tried to like prevent Michigan State from becoming an institution. Right. And so it's kind of in the roots of anybody that went to Michigan State. It's ingrained in them to just innately sort of. resent them. I don't know if everybody, it's taken
0: on, the rivalry's taken on a very sports related thing. Yeah. I don't know how many people really understand the Michigan Michigan State rivalry in terms of not sports, but sports is the only way to take it out. And if Michigan's, obviously, Michigan's baby is football. Michigan would still be a preeminent university, but the only thing they can showcase to the world half the time is whether their football team wins X amount of games. But if their team doesn't win X amount of games, then it's all, we have this and that, and, but you really
1: don't care about it unless your football team's bad. And uh, talking about the recruiting thing real quick, I, I think, and this is just something that I came up with off the top of my head, is when you hear about how Michigan always has one of the top recruiting classes in the country, don't you kind of put Michigan as like the cornerstone of schools that you want to edge out in terms of prospects and recruits? What do you mean? mean? So like Michigan is pretty much widely seen as a a top destination for most recruits. Am I right? Uh And so when you get a, a top 10 player in the country or you get that four star recruit that Michigan offered that they sent him out an offer, but mm-hmm. he chose Michigan State over, or even, even like, a, another destination in the Big Ten, I can see where that animosity is like, oh, well, yeah, we beat out UM because they're they're a team that historically recruits better than every team in the Big Ten and is one of the best recruiting teams in the country.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But that's... I mean, it's food for
0: thought. Is it, so just you're a, saying if I'm a recruit, I, sh- I should weed out Michigan.
1: No, no, no. As what what I'm saying is like when you said that it, when you see those recruiting pages, and th- one of the top comments is coming from like a, a guy saying go green, yeah, because or like a, a guy saying go blue, after Michigan State recruited that guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, you beat out a school that is prominently known as one of the top recruiters in the conference and in the country oh so it's a thing to almost celebrate oh i see what you're saying yeah
0: i but a lot of recruiting isn't i don't think it's necessarily about you know competing with other schools in a sense it is, it, it, that's what it usually comes down to what people think about it. but recruiting I, you know how much i hate recruiting but recruiting usually is you're supposed to recruit for your system and if michigan state and Michigan, both think this guy is ideally fit for him. Then that's a win in Michigan State's terms. But if Michigan State just threw out a five, threw out whatever to a five-star recruit, just you know, pie in the sky, hoping he comes. You know that you don't you don't really take that as a loss if Michigan gets him. You know what I mean? Because Michigan and and Harbaugh's and what was always Brady Hoke's thing was let's just recruit for every top guy in the country, right? Whereas Michigan State's always been about you know, recruiting the lesser-known guys who, you know, you coach them up and you develop them type of thing. So it, it recruiting can be a – I wouldn't say it's a complex thing, but it's more of a niche than it is a wide-based country-wide competition in a sense. Yeah.
1: Well, anyway, I think that settles that. Um, you put it really well that Ohio State and Michigan kind of need each other. They're bad for each other. They're, They're in different. that bad relationship that nobody's willing to kind of say, hey, enough's enough, um, while – U of M and MSU, they're just, yeah. un, they're, they're just bad for each other. Right. I think
0: one, one thing that comes to mind when I think of that is, like, uh, there's a Kenny Chesney song called uh, You and Tequila, and it says, you and tequila make me crazy. Um, one, one is One is one too many, but one is never enough and that's kind of what Michigan and Ohio State are based on like one one you know competition is too many for those two but one you know subtle dig at each other is kind of never enough and they kind of always need each other they're bad for each other but they need each other otherwise they wouldn't i mean how how many times do you see the game the game every year get uh you know what this is the best one they've had in a decade well, the other games have all well, been trashed. I mean, when,
1: when <laughs> one team dominates the series for an entire decade, right. it's hard to call it a rivalry in, mo- in modern terms. Right. And um, you you, you kind of just wonder, you know, that
0: addiction, I, I guess, will always be there with each other. And it's going to be like we'll the Red Sox and away. Yankees.
1: They're always yeah. going to hate each I, other.
0: The Red Sox and Yankees now, like if, like when I was growing up, I don't even know if that was still, like, I baseball conscious and whatnot. Maybe I wasn't even, like, baseball conscious in, like, oh4 I mean, I was barely, well, I was. State, yeah, I was gonna say
1: <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> were you were probably in what second grade,
0: right? Like, um, it, it it's like uh, the Red Sox and Yankees. I don't even think it's a rivalry anymore. Look, they don't even neither of those teams have competed with each other for the division in what a long time. I think. Um, I mean, not even this. I would year, say two thousand four,
1: but I mean that's still over it's, a decade it, ago. I mean that's weird to think
0: about. <laughs> right,
1: um, and it's been one
0: of the other since, kind of. But
1: it's it's kind of weird. I was talking with it with a girl in my class, and she uh. She she interned in Boston over the summer, and she said that people still like innately hate people from New York, especially those that are Yankees fans. Right? It, it's kind of just that's something that's a city rivalry.
0: Yeah. I mean, it does to me, it doesn't make sense because we don't live there. Yeah. But.
1: Like, I, I can never grasp my mind around it. Right. But that's also like Dodgers and Giants. Right. I mean, those two fan bases hate each other. Right. There's the instance a few years ago where it went too far. Yes, yes, exactly.
0: Um, I, I you know I haven't heard of any Michigan Ohio State murders so I guess they're they're doing well in that
1: regard but yeah <laughs>
0: but, but there are
1: cases of Ohio State fans tipping
0: cars or yeah. like
1: oh yeah oh yeah
0: they're 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 both fan bases that are annoying and disgusting <laughs> in their own right and uh, I think we've pretty much killed this topic for the day so yeah um, uh, that's
1: gonna do it for this show uh, we got some good topics coming at you Friday we're gonna preview them a little bit Uh Ooh. We're, is is Ooh. the is Oakland the, the Raiders move to Nevada to Las Vegas? Was that the right decision? And I also want to talk about it. Looks like pie in the sky, um, but Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather is is that could that actually happen? What are your thoughts on it? Because we don't really talk about fighting too much. Um, and I am just gonna leave that My eyes there. lit up with dollar signs. Yeah, we're 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 just gonna <laughs> leave that there. We're gonna let it culminate over the next few days. Um, and with that being said, remember to check us out, share us. Um, on Facebook. Write a review on uh, iTunes. iTunes. Twitter, Spotify. Subscribe, all that jazz. Yeah. Um, Steven, any last thoughts? No. We'll see you on, on Friday. Yep. You guys have a good week.